Welcome back to Jesus Speaks Farsi. Today, Joe, Jennifer, and I are wrapping up our church planting series with a conversation about what church planting looks like in the Iran region and ways in which that differs from our personal experience and our modern Western understanding of that type of ministry. We'll also be exploring what we can learn from how Iranian believers are planting churches, as well as talking through some aspects of Cambys, Samuel, and Kayvon stories that really stood out to us. I hope you enjoy this Chai Time conversation and are encouraged by how the church movement in the Iran region continues to expand despite significant challenges. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome back to this final episode of our Church Planting in Iran series where we're just going to sit around and talk about the the episodes with Kambi, Samuel and uh, the last one with Kayvan all have been involved in church planting inside Iran in the Iran region they've seen incredible things happen the way Jesus has moved through people trying to build his church and um Jen and Darlin are here to, today to talk about that. So welcome guys. Hey Joe. Yep. Hey Joe. Excited to be here. <laughs> and I want to say we're not together. That we're not. Well, yeah, we're not together. I we are doing this first chai time or we're doing it online just because we've been super busy and different things going on. There's there's a lot of different work happening. Um, maybe I'll share. I've been on a recent trip to the Iran region and saw, met with some of our church planters from inside Iran, which was really cool. But I wanted to start by going back to the first episode with Kambiz, who I really, really love and just have huge respect for. I've been able to spend quite a lot of time with him hear about his heart and the way he goes about ministry. And one of the things that I love about him, and he mentioned it in the episode, was he wasn't church planting. He was just going around sharing Jesus with people and churches happened. And I know in the West, we talk about church planting, which I think is really cool. And, and we understand that terminology. It means, you know, to go and start a new church somewhere. And I know many, many people have done that. But for him, church planting was a foreign concept. It was just, I share the story of Jesus, I evangelize, and people become part of my church. So was there anything like that from the episode with Cambys that stuck out with you? Or how does it change your mindset towards the way we start churches? Yeah, we were talking earlier before we started recording, just that I think for me, I... um had in my mind uh, how, you know, how Western churches are planted, which typically you rent a place, you put up posters, you send up flyers, you have a big blow up jumpy house or something that you, you know, like you have a party and then you invite people. And so it was, it was, it was fascinating to me to discover, I guess, or learn how, um, yeah, it's just how it's a different, it's a different animal there in the, in the Middle East. And, um, but it is, and then to me, it seems it's more, it's just more relational. Like it, it's more, um, I don't know. I don't know if gra- I, mean, I think I mentioned this in maybe Kayvon's, but like, I don't know if grassroots is the right word, but it's just kind of organic how it starts. Unlike, you know, gathering a whole bunch of people at one time. Anyway, that, that was pretty fascinating to me, just how that, how that works. Um, how that works. Have, have any of you, have any of you been a part of a church plan or, you know, yeah. to visit a new church. We were part of a church plant for three years. 
um, that had been there for a while, but it still had, it was, it still like, it met like a, it was like a coffee shop kind of church plant. Um, and it still had that feel. And I think there's a, you know, it can be like a seeker friendly feel to a church plant. Um, so, so yeah, we did that for a few years and, um, yeah, we're not there anymore. I think also, I mean, the idea of church there is very different than our idea of church. I mean, you almost, a church is a body of people here, but it's also very much a place. And I think you just, you, I think that they would church plant probably a similar way we did maybe if they, if it was, if there wasn't the restrictions, but because of the restrictions, they've been creative and they've made, they've made a way to have church without all the typical things that come along with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've spoken to to quite a number of Iranians actually, and I, I've I've heard many of them say that if they were able to gather with a large group of people to worship, they would they would really like to experience that. Um, you know, whereas I think sometimes we can get trapped in the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, like we look at oh, if we could just go back to a simple house church movement and. That would be so much more like the early church, but I know Iranians that would love to gather in a large group and worship freely and have a place to go and and call their own. Um, like for, for I think instance, we do idealize it a little bit. I, yeah. I idealize it and think that it would be more. I don't know, like it would feel more like um, what a church should feel like, but that, but that may. That may just again be like idealizing something, or the grass yeah, is always green. There's de- there's definitely something beautiful to it, like you said, just that relational. Um, they they do seem to have leaders and people that head it up and help, but everybody seems to have much more of a say and more of a voice. Whereas if you're in a church with fifty, a hundred, two hundred plus people, it's it's normally the people on the front on the stage, the pastor, the worship team that that get to uh that get to do that so t- t- I'm, I'm actually really interested in that church plant that you did Darylin and after speaking with uh, Samuel Kavan and um and uh and Cambis what what do you think of that experience looking back on it and being involved in a church plant in where was it whereabouts was it it was um pretty close to where we live now outside of Atlanta okay. but and honestly, we came into it after it had been in existence for a few, for a number of years. I'm not sure how many. Um, and it honestly, it didn't, it didn't last. Um, so I think that's another thing, like, just as I've thought about it over the, I mean, it's been a long time. It's probably been eight years since we were there. Um, but just, I'm, I'm, you know, thinking about Cambies and how he talked about, they started a church with maybe like four people and then. I don't know how many years later, there's 240, which not gathering all together, they're all, you know, it's a network, but still that number kept growing. And, you know, I think I I have thought back to the church I was a part of and wondered. Um, and I, I honestly, that season we were, we had uh, a baby. I was pregnant and then we had a baby. And so I was kind of in and out a little bit during that season. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I have wondered like why did it why didn't it continue to grow and what does that mean? But um, and I do think that that is the case a lot of times, and I'm sure it is there too that church plants can start with a lot of fanfare and then maybe fizzle out for different reasons. But um, and I wondered, you know, well I don't know. I mean, there's different reasons for that, but 
So I don't know that my experience, I was not there at the beginning. So I really can't speak to what that looked like. What was the purpose of that plant? Like, what was it? Well, it was from a larger church in Atlanta and they were just trying to reach, you know, maybe people half an hour away um, and start another fellowship. Um, uh, just, you know, which I think is great. Like, I love when churches do that, but um, but it is, yeah, very different than what what these guys were talking about, I think at least in terms of how it, how it operates. Cause usually you gather a pretty, you try to gather a pretty good group. In fact, this past weekend, I was talking with some friends who are part of a, what I think would be called a church plant from another church um, nearby that got pretty big. And then this other group, they wanted to start one, maybe 30 minutes away. Um, and so maybe like eight or nine families went, you know, to make that happen. And so there's already kind of a good, a good group there. And that one actually is thriving and, um, and really growing in the community that it's in. So, um, and I don't know, I can't really say what makes the difference, like why one grew and one, you know, one didn't, but, um, but I, I loved hearing, you know, just how, um, Ken Bees and then I think Samuel said as well, uh, you know, just the, you know, just, well, I'm trying to think, was it Samuel? He was talking about the discipleship aspect and just, um, how that's, that's such a massive part of yeah. growing the church is enable or training the people in the church to disciple others, um, and gather them and, and grow that way. Um, so it's, you're yeah. growing by new believers and in a lot of ways, and not just like adding more Christians, which they're Christians too, but you know what I mean? Like, you're not just like, Hey, you come over from that church and join our church. It's like, yeah, I think it's, it's got a lot to do. You know, we ask, ask ourselves, ask ourselves, you know, what, what is success? You know, what is a successful church? And it, it has to do with expectations. And, you know, I, I guess for a Western pastor or minister plant in a church, their expectation would be to have that larger gathering on a Sunday and, even though we know in our hearts of hearts, it's not about the numbers. It kind of determines if it's a good church. Do we bring in enough tithes? Can we um, pay enough money for the building? You know, all this kind of stuff. Whereas those questions, and they're not even expectations inside Iran. You, you, you cannot go for large numbers, which um, on one level makes things a little bit simpler because you get the group of people that you with and you journey with them. And if you're a leader, you're like, okay, how do I go deeper with these people? How do I really help these people? And the leader of the church is normally around new believers, um, which is really interesting. Whereas in, in the States and in England and other places, I guess wherever the church is free to worship and to practice, when a church grows, it seems that, people get less and less time with the leader of the church. So it's, it's a completely different ball game. I, I think for me, I, I asked myself the question, I need to be very careful not to get disillusioned with the Western church when I think about the growth of the Iranian church, because there's, um, like I think about you, your church plants, you said you had a baby when you when you started that church plant. I know one of the biggest struggles for church planters in the West and, and a struggle for the Iranian church inside Iran is what do you do with the kids? What do you do with the youth? 
mm-hmm. and um there's things that we have in the western church for young people for kids that i just know the iranian church would love to be able to have more of that sure. um which which is just a real struggle so how what have you taken away from these three interviews that you would say yeah i think i want to i want to try and bring that into my journey more or or is there anything that you that you saw that from me that can be Skavan and uh, Samuel um and one of the things i'd written down uh from the Cambys conversation was where he described what a successful church is when you and he were talking, I don't know if you remember what he said. Um, I just listened to it again today. So I remember. <laughs> what did he say? Remind me. <laughs> he said three things. He said a successful church knows that Jesus loves them. Yeah, I remember they respond, basically respond to that love with obedience. And then they make disciples who also love Jesus. And um, I feel like that's something I need to sit with for a little while and think about in terms of my own, you know, being a part of a church where I am, which is not a church plant, but, um, that was just a really, uh, not eye opening, but just the simplicity of that. It's really beautiful. Um, and I just feel like I need to sit with it for a little while and think about like, how does that play out? And, um, I think in addition to that, the, the last part about the making disciples who also love Jesus, um, I, I really appreciated what he and Samuel in particular, talked about with like discipleship and how it's a life. Like it's something you do with people. Like you live, you live it with them. Um, and it's not just like, I'm going to meet with you once a week for an hour over coffee. It's like, I'm going to like do, I'm going to do life with you. And I think Samuel said it's discipleship is friendship and it's like self-sacrificing friendship. It's not like, you know, the way he described it, it's like, it's really hard. (laughs) But I feel mm. like those are some things I know I personally want to sit with for a little bit. And and I felt convicted by, um, in a good way, you know, just I want to, I don't know. I, I think that I, I totally believe what they said. And I feel like that's important. And um, so, yeah. I think Kayvon talked about, um, I don't remember what question you asked him, something about the young generation and and their involvement in the church. And they said that they're either becoming more active or staying or or something to that effect because they have such a good role model in the older generation. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, the younger generation is always watching you. And that's convicting to me of like, what are my kids? What, how are they saying that I'm living my life and I'm going deeper in my faith that I should be, showing them and not even talking to them, but like, how am I leading my life so that they can like modeling, it. modeling it? Yeah. That was important to me. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Um, I feel like because of the kind of lifestyle I live, I live in America, three kids, you know, church is normally on a Sunday. I just feel like, you have to really intentionally fit that into your schedule. Whereas I think, I think for me, it it would be easy to make an excuse or they have more time or their culture is more, you know, they hang out more, they do more things together. But I think we just have to intentionally make time 
for people, which, you know, it's hard. I mean, if you're an it's introvert, people, you don't, you don't want to do that. You know, I, I like being at home and chilling out and, and not doing much after a day of work, but, um, they, they spend time with people. They go to each other's houses and, um, you know, I, I think that I was, I was on a call with somebody else actually with some other people from, from Iran actually. And they were talking about intentionally making time for people. And I was on this call with them. I was like, Oh, I feel a little bit convicted. And so there, and then I text a friend and I was like, Hey, let's get together. And, and I just think that's what we have to do in our culture. Like, I mean, for me, I don't, I, d I don't just like, oh, I'll, I'll go to the, like in England, for instance, sometimes you'll just go to the pub and you'll meet people there and hang out with them. I don't, don't go to the pub over here or I don't have a gathering place. Yeah. And I think, I think the way the world is going is our home becomes a castle. You know, we got everything we need. We've got the internet at home. We've got TV at home. We've got our family. We've got, if you've got kids, you're normally busy taking them here, there and everywhere. And I just think you have to make time. You, you've got to, you've got to make time for people. And I, I, I really like small group. My, my favorite thing about the church that I go to is my small group. Um, and I, and I think essentially that's what a lot of the church in Iran is. It's a bunch of small groups that meet together. Yeah. Um, I was actually listening. I've been really on, uh, so this past year, I've listened to a ton of Tim Keller and, uh, you know, I, quite a famous preacher here in, in the US and he passed away the other month, but incredible, incredible teacher. And I was listening to one of his sermons this past week and he just said, I'm glad that you come to this church. I think he has like a thousand people that would show up at his church on a Sunday. And he's like, I'm really glad you come to this church. I want you to come on a Sunday. But if you're not involved in a small group, you're missing out on the church experience. And so I think there's a lot of churches that recognize that. And um, like you said, we can't, um, I, I don't think we should envy what the church in Iran has. I think we should learn from it and grow from it. But we could like celebrate that we have the opportunity to meet and worship in a big group. But we have the opportunity to have house church if we want. I mean, we can we can get involved in a small group and get together with a group of friends and pray. We just have to make time for it and i think i think that's 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 what i came away with it's like okay i'm like Sam, samuel for instance he he was so excited talking and he you know the call of the lord on his life his mom telling him he's gonna do this and he had he ran ridden down and i'm just like that's pretty cool but he he would make time for people like he would go out of his way and make time for people and he was like that's where discipleship happens yeah and, um, I, loved, I loved listening to him talk about discipleship, how yeah. passionate he got. Yeah. <laughs> and and he really, I mean, it's amazing because I've I've known Sam Sam Samuel for about six years. I think him and Sarah started doing that. The group of people that he was talking about, he probably started doing that about eight years ago. And and I work with some of those people who are the fruit of what him and Sarah did together. And yeah. they're amazing people. And um, I just wonder, you know, like when it comes to expectation and what is success, if a church planter in the U.S. 
was to tell the church that sent them out, oh, I've got these six people and we've been working together for for the past two years and it's going really well. You know, yeah. is is that is that success? It's it's difficult, isn't it? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a difficult one. So yeah, um, I, I I actually feel for church planters in the US. It's a really really difficult job. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's my takeaway. You've just got to you've just got to make time. If you really want it, you'll make time for what you value. And uh, and I don't all the time, honestly. Like I'm just like, oh, I can't be bothered. Yeah. 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 Samuel did. I mean, he did talk about that, just that it was, um, well, he, when he said discipleship is friendship, you're like, oh, that sounds great. I can do that. But then he goes on, you know, to like, it's like kind of, it's an in your, not in your face, but it's just going to be a consistent, like people in your space and you're in their space and it's, it's That's for the uncomfortable. Yeah. It can feel like it's for more extroverted people. <laughs> I would agree. I think I'm an introvert. I like, I genuinely <laughs> love people, but like, Macy's like, should we go out tonight? I'm like, ah, no, I'd rather just stay in, honestly. I think it's because you're getting old, Joe. That's what's happening. Welcome so are to you, are you guys introverts or do you like going out? No, oh, no, I do not want to go anywhere. Well, I like for, I like it for a little bit and and then I need I need a time, some time alone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. One um, day out, three days to recap. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I, this, and this makes me think about, I was just going to, I just forgot this thought and it came back to me. There's a book by, okay, this woman named Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. I think she has the most beautiful name. She that's that a book? real name, Champagne. It's a real name. Yeah. So that's like her, maybe that's her maiden name, but anyway, basically her name is Rosaria Butterfield and she, she has sounds a whole like story. a movie star. She's fascinating. So check her out. But she wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, which I am just going to confess to you both that I have purposefully not read it because I don't want to be convicted. <laughs> but I have a lot of friends and at some point I will probably read it, but I have a lot of friends who've read it. And but basically her and and I've listened to her talk about it. She's not giving keys out, is she? She's not. But she is like in her testimony, if you listen to her testimony, which is really incredible, um, it's about being invited into someone's home. She was a very uh, far left professor of women's studies in California and had a whole different lifestyle. And she um, was invited by a pastor who was, I don't know if he was a Baptist pastor or what he was, but he was a very conservative evangelical to his home. To, she was doing research on like a, like a, I, I know, I know this yeah, you lady. heard this story, I've, but she I've could just hear story, yeah. experience of being invited into his home and them just loving her and inviting her to dinner and just being open and just like, let's just talk. And um, so then she's written a book about like, what does it look like to, open your home, open up your life to, to other people. Um, and I just, she seems like she might be an extrovert, but you have to, be. but I think there's still, you know, like I, regardless of my, you know, personality, um, still called to these things. Okay, can we also talk about Samuel and his um the the smuggling Bibles and the 86 Bibles? You're like, yeah, oh, three. And the God's like, if God can hide three, he can hide 86. <laughs> I love that story so much. Yeah, these oh. he's uh he's a mate. That was an amazing story. Um it could be a movie. 
Yeah, really. I, I just pictured him like the, running. Yeah, I know. I love that part where he just starts running. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of stories like that. And there's, you know, there's some people that, you know, we'd love to share their stories of what's happening now in Iran. Like, that's happening now. There's people doing that now. You know, I recently went on a trip and I was apart and seeing some of that stuff and how it's done and how the smuggling or the distribution and can't really talk about it but it is just like what samuel shared it's just like that all the time and um you, you know it's it's fascinating isn't it because we can live our lives for jesus like in our context we can really live our life for jesus we can sacrifice things we can die to the flesh every day we can try and serve people but we're never really gonna be in that situation where I'm carrying this book around and if I get caught, I'm going to go to prison. Like that, that, that's inspiring. And I think if you're in a small group of people of that are doing that every day, like not, not necessarily every day, but every week when you meet with somebody, somebody comes back with a story about sharing a, sharing a Bible with someone it's that's exciting. Like that's really really exciting and um it, it's and, and new believers people coming to christ that's really exciting a lot of people that go to churches in america they don't interact with new believers because if you just go to a sunday service and you listen to the preacher and you do the worship music and all that kind of stuff and then you leave how often do you interact with new believers so i would just I think a lot of churches actually really do push this, like the importance of being in a small group and being with people and inviting to that small group. I actually did. Did any of you guys see the um, the Jesus Revol Revolution movie? No, I wanted to watch it, but we haven't. Is it? Did you see it? Yeah, I actually watched it on the plane coming back from the I don't know if I was coming back from the UK or somewhere in the Iran region recently, but it's it's, you know, set in the hippie movement. Yeah. And uh, it's really, really fascinating. But a big thing in that in that movement was people gathering in houses and inviting friends, and especially in our in our culture. And you know, a lot of people who don't go to church, they've chosen actively not to go to church. Like, I don't actually want to go to a church um, for whatever reason, whether it's because it's on a Sunday morning or they've had a bad experience. But it's a lot easier to invite people around to a house. Um, I guess I, I just think I, I think I come back to this because one, I love the church in Iran, like I really do. But I became a Christian in America, like I found Jesus or he found me, however you want to put it, fell in love with Jesus because of the church in America. So I, I genuinely love the church in America as part of a great church in, in England that I really loved. And I just think it's it's yes and yes, it's both. It's like. Let's do the Sunday morning worship. That's a beautiful thing. Let's have a place for the young people to go and let's have a place for children's church. But like you have to, you know, to really. We we can have we can't, you know, meet in secret. You know, we can pretend we are, but we're not going to go through that. But to meet in a house with other believers, uh, to listen to somebody else's story, to have someone lead worship who isn't like amazing on stage is um is really great actually over the summer we we met with a, a friend he had like a little house church meeting over the summer he, he's a busy guy and he just said for the summer 
I want to do. We met every week on a Sunday evening and it was just a small group and someone would lead worship and we'd sit around and we'd talk about the Bible and everybody would get to share. And my kids sat in the room with us. It was it was really, really nice, actually. And um, so I would say we can have both over here. And like I said, many of the Iranians I know would love the opportunity to meet in a church on a Sunday. Feels um, like a little bit of the difference. Like we're talking now, what can we do to be more a part of the church? But like, I know Kayvon said, when we were talking about risk and, and how you prepare people for risk, he said, God's already worked in their heart for that. Like yeah. God's bringing the people to the church. It's not like they're having to say, how can I get more involved in the church? How can I like, what can I do to try to, and for, to have such few opportunities to worship, like God's bringing them to these places to do when we're like, what else should we be doing? Should we be reading this? Should we join this group? Like it's, it's interesting that we're kind of like taking the role to figure out what we need to do. And it feels like God's already preparing people to do really difficult work, like, and dangerous work. Yeah. The the other cool thing about what Kayvan was sharing, and I, I was with some of these people recently who are who are doing some of this work inside Iran. They they're just honestly they are regular people. I just remember vividly. I won't say the name of the person I was with, but this guy was doing this incredible ministry inside Iran. Had a house church that would meet, and you know he'd lead and he'd help out. He's a taxi driver. Like he's a taxi driver. That's his job. And if I was to introduce you to him and tell him his story, you'd be like, wow, this guy going out planting churches, doing, he's a taxi driver. And um, it's difficult for us because I think we think I have not got enough training or I'm not as good as that preacher that I've heard or I'm not as good as Tim Keller, right? I can't teach like Tim Keller. Um. So I think it's, yeah, I think small groups. And the other thing, like going back to Cambys, that church was, uh, his church, his house network, it was full of new believers. Like mm -hmm. everyone was because he'd been talking about Jesus. Um, that would be, it would be interesting for me to have a group of people at my house who don't believe in Jesus and I'm talking about Jesus. Like... Yeah. Maybe I should just do it. You should. You could do, you should it. do it. I guess we yeah. should all. <laughs> it is. Well, and that's one question I kind of have maybe for us is just, well, what, I, I mean, we've maybe talked around this, but like, what are the things that, because we are in a different place, we're in a different, you know, um, situation, but what are the things that we could take from what we've heard, you know, or what we're, what we're hearing and apply? Like, because some of it we can't, or we're not going to, and it, or it's not necessary to apply. But I mean, I know for myself, I was trying to think, well, what what would make sense, you know, for us um, in terms, and for me, it was the discipleship, like the friendship thing, mm -hmm. thinking in terms of who can I, you know, maybe kind of walk alongside um, and invite into my life um, or my home. And but can you think of any other things that would maybe be applicable or things, things that we could be like, Oh, now that I know that that would be, you know, in terms of like, we're learning from the Iranian church and we could apply to the Western church. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think what I really like when I've been able to interact with, with them and, and, and be a small part of it is that most people are given a voice. Like when, when you're in a small group, most people are given a voice. And um, and I just think like it's, it's so important to give people a voice. Again, I go back, I go back to small group and even in small groups, we normally have a leader and it's a teacher. The small group I actually go to is, um, it's very, it's more of a discussion. I think, I think that's why I really like it. Do y'all read again, a book, Joe, or what do you do in your small group? We visit? normally just go through a book of the Bible. Like recently, we've been going through Corinthians, which is fascinating because the Corinthian church is very similar to the, the church in Iran. You know, it's a new church. It's growing. It's got all these signs and wonders and miracles. And then people are just doing the most ridiculous things. But because they're new believers, they don't they don't really know. So it's really fascinating. But yeah, someone kind of guides it, but it's it's more of a discussion. And what I really like about that is that I get to hear from different voices, people going through different things, you know, different walks of life and um, male, female voices. This person works full time as an engineer. This person is a, you know, works with kids. This person is a stay at home mom. And, and you get to hear different voices. And I've that's one of my favorite things mm -hmm. about church. Um so again, I think, and and the other thing is, um, people share people share their testimonies or they sh they share what God has done in their life. I think in certain cultures in Christianity, in my experience, whether it be in England or in America, we're a bit nervous about that. Like, what will people think of me mm -hmm. if I if I really share this? You got to be a bit vulnerable really um but again it takes like again we talk about the church growth in iran and how fast it's happening and this and that but we're telling thousands of different stories whereas sam samuel said right it took him a number of years like that was a number of years journey and and what Cambys did, he he did over a couple of years with a group of people and they met together over and over again and again, I think for me, I'm as I even as I'm kind of rambling on, it comes back to um, I make time for what I value. Do I really value the friendship and the discipleship and the spending time with people? Uh, yeah. I wonder too if you know, just as Westerners, we do have an instant a desire for things to be instant, I guess, or you know, to happen quickly. Like oh, I'm going to start this church plant. I want it to be. I want to have 50 people yeah. by two months yeah. from now. Or, I'm going to meet with this girl for six weeks and I want her to be a solid believer in six weeks, you know, get her life together. And that is one thing that uh, I think Samuel had, I think it was Samuel who mentioned, like, it is not instant that it can take. He's like, when he discipled someone, it could take like, he's like, this might take four or five years to really yeah. get that guy to a, a place of maturity. And um, I mean, I know for me, I'm, I'm for sure, you know, inclined to either, not want to start something because it's going to take too long or to have an, a, an expectation of how long it might take. That's not realistic. We like, we like when that. I start it and then, and then give up on it after, you know, like yeah. a certain amount of time because it didn't happen as quickly as I wanted. And so that to me is, is convicting. Cause, um, when he said that, like it might take four or five years with me discipling this guy. Yeah. yeah. And just 
being more, I don't know what that is. Like if it's just being more gracious with yourself or with them or being more patient. But I think that's one of the things that we struggle with as Western believers is that want, that desire for things to be quick. And the boldness that that we see the Iranians, like they're sharing in a hostile environment usually. Like we don't even share when necessarily when we're not, I mean, if you start telling people your story, I mean, they may look at you funny, but there's not going to be really any repercussions from it. Yeah. And yet we're still, that's not comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Comfortable, I think is the other probably uh, hurdle for us. So we like to be comfortable. We sure do. In in a lot of different ways. (laughs) Not sitting on the floor like we're doing right now. (laughs) Our old knees. That was a poor choice we made today. Yeah, like like we say on most of these episodes, we're here not, I don't want people, I would hate people to hear about the church in Iran and go away feeling bad that, oh, we don't do that and we don't do this. And it's like, no, like, what can we learn? How can this encourage us? How can this inspire us? I mean, that it sounds like that should be easy, but like for the stage of life that I'm in, like, I want to make a really close friend that I'm going to invest in for the next four years. That sounds like, ah. Uh, that's a little exhausting. Maybe I'm getting too old. Like, I love, like, I want people to grow in Christ. I want people to know Jesus. But do I really want another friend like, I'm going to meet with for the next couple of years? Four years. <laughs> I need to get over that, to be quite honest. I think this has a lot to do with, I, I think, like, in this stage of life where we're parenting yeah. people. We're having, yeah. you know, and that just takes a lot of energy. And I think we are discipling them. Like, ch- children are part of the calling right now. Yeah, cycling them, and so that does take a lot of emotional and mental energy. So, just yeah. giving you some, give yourself some grace. <laughs> no, it's it's actually really good. I've been really fortunate as well in the last couple of years. I get to meet people from all different walks of life and Christianity, and I've made friends with some uh, brethren, Mennonite, Amish folk, uh, which you know I didn't really have any Amish friends until recently, and wonderful, wonderful group of people that I've made friends with and, and done some work with. And we got on that. Their, their idea of discipleship is like so family oriented. Like they, they, they and again, like discipling your kids is a big commitment and spending time with them and very, very important. But they really, really value that. And I was reminded being with being with them like, what do I create in my house for my children? Um, the the other thing is like, just to be really real, like when Cam Bees was doing all that stuff, he was a single guy. Yeah. Like when Sam, when Samuel went and did that. Yeah. I don't know if he was, had married yet or not. So yeah, that's helpful. His, his, his story when he married Asreen is, is so funny. Um, it, it's an interesting story, but the other thing is even like Cambys and Asreen now, they're married, they work in ministry. Okay. Samuel and Sarah, they're married, they work in ministry. It it really we have to give ourselves I'm so glad you said that. You have to give yourself grace because you to raise a family is a commitment. And it is a small kind of church, right? You know, church. you meet together, you eat together, maybe you pray with them when they go to bed, maybe you do devotions. Um it was so funny yesterday. One of our neighbors, God, he just, 
I did, we didn't have these in England. You have like little sewer pipes in in America that come out of the grass. Like these these little white plastic things that come oh, out of the yeah. grass, right? <laughs> One of our neighbors came round, decided to put a golf ball on top of that and hit it, but he like smashed it. And like my son <laughs> comes in and he's like, Hey dad, so and so broke the pipe. I'm like, what on earth was he thinking? <laughs> you know and so like me and judah we go to the store we get whatever we need to replace it we fix it and in that journey like i talk to him about confessing when we make a mistake and if you keep things a secret you know it it's a burden on us so like yesterday that was discipling my son you know so i i do think stage of life is is a big one yeah so um, and it's just and if you think in terms of like, or for me, I've thought this before, or I've I've found myself thinking through this that parenting feels, and this isn't a parenting podcast, but here we are. Um, <laughs> you know, like the depending on how many kids you have, I mean, I only have two. So over the course of my life, assuming I live, you know, to be ninety, um, like what percentage of it is in my raising kids? Like it's a small percentage, you know. Yeah. And so I I do find myself thinking ahead to like, well, what will like I know my in laws who don't have kids at home, of course, anymore. They are constantly doing ministry, and like that's what they're like. Well, we have free time. We're gonna go and re- volunteer here, and we're gonna go and work with these kids. And and I don't know. That's been neat for me to see that they're you know just different seasons enable different types of ministry, and and then there is. And that's okay. Like, you know, I think that's yeah. just, you know, it would be wrong. Honestly, it would be wrong for you. Probably, well, I don't know if wrong is the right word, but if you try to live the life that can be the ministry he was doing when he was a single guy right now, you know, with, yeah. with the, three kids at home. So anyway, I actually, I actually remember when I was, uh, when I was a new Chris, well, I was a couple of years into my faith. I was married. I had, had a little girl. Um, and, uh, and I was watching some of these stories of these men and women that did like crazy things for the, you know, for the kingdom. And they went and planted this many churches in this country and did this many revivals and whatever, what you know. And there was in in a lot of them, their families like fell apart yeah. or the kids were disillusioned with Christianity or, you know, they ended up getting a divorce or whatnot. And I remember praying to the Lord and being like, God, I really want to do something great, but I don't want that. Yeah. And I just remember like thinking to myself after I said that, like the the Lord didn't want that either. Like he didn't want that for those people. And it's 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 finding that balance, isn't it? Again, what does faithful obedience look like? Does it mean starting a house church? Maybe, maybe not. Does it mean taking care of your family and discipling your kids? Definitely, you know. So yeah. yeah, I'm glad you said it. I'm off the hook, so I don't have to go and hang out with yeah, people anymore no friends and make you. friends. Well, yeah, <laughs> my my kids can be my friends for the next four years. <laughs> make your kids your friends. That's not unhealthy at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's it's yes and amen. It's both. We are so grateful for overground churches, but there's things that the Iranian church has that I just need to make more time for. Yeah. Yeah. We fixed it, guys. Congratulations to us. <laughs> no further. You have all the answers now. Yeah. Things to pray about, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, so any uh, any closing thoughts? Because we're coming up on on about that time where we we've chatted for long enough. Any closing thoughts from Kayvan or Cambis or or Samuel? 
really, I think the only thing I was going to mention was if, if someone who's listening now hasn't, hasn't heard Kayvon's um, episode, listening to that, and in, in particular, the last part where he shares two really beautiful testimonies, mm-hmm. I think would be encouraging to listeners to hear if they haven't listened to that one. He's yeah, really, really recent testimonies yeah. of, of what's happening in Iran through through some of these train leaders. Um, it is really, really beautiful. Yeah. And to hear them from him. And so, yeah. So, yeah, just to remind everybody what God is doing in Iran is absolutely incredible. Lots of people going out church planting and, you know, they plant churches because it's the local church that really does impact lives and transform lives. And um, we sometimes get things wrong, but it, it brings a lot of good to the world. Um, so whether it's in America or in Iran, it's walking with people, journeying with people, making friends, taking time with them, whether in a big church on a Sunday or a house church or a small group. Really grateful for the work that Cambys Kavan and Samuel have done. And hopefully you guys are inspired to go out and make, uh, build the church, you know, whether you've got a seminary degree or not. Thank you, Daryl Lynn and Jen. Um, this was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I hope you enjoyed our Chai Time conversation today about church planting in the Iran region. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our conversations in the series with Cambys, Samwell, and Kayvon about church planting, I hope you'll make time to do that. Each of them had really valuable insight into how God is using this particular aspect of ministry to reach thousands of Persian speakers. Looking ahead, we're excited about our upcoming series where we'll be sharing a few stories of Iranian believers coming to faith that are a bit different than what we normally share here on this podcast. We enjoy being with you this season and look forward to sharing with you next time on Jesus Speaks Farsi. Until then, we hope you encounter Jesus in a real way this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, would you take a moment to subscribe to our podcast or leave us a rating or review? We'd love for more people to learn what Jesus is doing amongst Farsi speakers today. Jesus Speaks Farsi is produced by Elam Ministries, a nonprofit ministry whose mission is to strengthen and expand the church in the Iran region and beyond. For more information, resources, and ways to partner, visit elam.com.